You're listening to the Healing Birth with Carla podcast, and I'm your host, Carla Sargent. For the past decade, I've been working in the field of birth trauma support and education, utilizing my background in midwifery and teaching, and putting my passion for story sharing to good use. This podcast seeks to dispel common myths surrounding birth trauma and what it takes to heal. Each week, we'll be spending an insightful and inspiring hour together, listening to the stories of people who have journeyed from trauma to healing, and discussing the insights of birth keepers who support others to heal. Whether you're new to the world of birth, a long-time parent, or someone who has an insatiable appetite for all things birth-related, this podcast offers hope and love, guidance and peace, as together we explore how healing our earth begins with healing birth. But before we grace your ears with today's episode, I'm going to take this opportunity to say that if you're inspired to heal with me, or to train with me, or if you have a healing story that you'd like to share on my podcast, reach out to me via my website healingbirth.co.nz. In this episode of the Healing Birth with Carla podcast, Imka shares with us about her harrowing start to motherhood. Her traumatic birth experience was followed by an incredibly trying time postpartum, including severe mastitis, a breast abscess that required surgical drainage, an overwhelmed comment to her midwife that resulted in the police turning up at her door, and finally, some recognition that what she was experiencing was not normal and deserved some support and healing. Imka's next birth was a healing experience at home with a Labrador and a trusting midwife at her side. We also hear about Imka's work, including her women's empowerment photography and a book that's in the making that's all about transmuting mum guilt into love. Welcome, Inka, to the Healing Birth with Carla podcast. Um, It's really cool to have you here today, and I'm really looking forward to hearing your story because... I I mean, I wasn't even aware that you'd experienced birth trauma um, until this week when you reached out and said, hey, like, I would like to share my story on your podcast. So um, I haven't heard your story yet. This is all going to be new for me. And um, yeah, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting into it. So let's just pick things off with perhaps you sharing with us um, about your journey into motherhood and um yeah what that entailed for you thank you for having me yes i'm very excited to share my story and i think the reason a lot of people don't know that i experienced birth trauma is because i haven't realized it myself like i often was like oh that wasn't so bad and compared to other people that was fine but um yeah my journey into motherhood started quite young quite early so i got married at 21 had my first baby at 22 so some people would say oh that's really young some people say oh yep that's you know whatever but um yeah, we got married and we like came off contraception basically the day before our marriage. And I was kind of very much thinking, yep, I'm young, we're healthy, we're going to have the baby like in nine months time from the wedding. And yeah, the first few weeks I was like, huh, I got my period. And I was really disappointed that it didn't happen straight away. Um, so we got married in March and we had our daughter in April. So it took a, a few months, um, ended up being like very morning sickness on our honeymoon, <laughs> which was like, you know, funny in a way. But um I didn't do much research. I didn't really 
know much about birth. We went to antenatal group. We learned kind of the basics, like the, yeah, very much you've got to push a baby out. It's going to hurt, like very, very um, limited information that I gathered on the journey into going into it. I carried on working. I took photos of a wedding literally the day before my birth, even though I was not aware that I would have the baby next day, of course. But um, yeah, I was very much pushing through, pushing through and just taking moment by moment. So when um, my birth did unfold, I was in shock. I was mentally not prepared at all. I was very much like, what is happening to me? Like I felt very much like the victim. Um, but yeah, some people would probably say, oh, it's your own fault. Why did you shoot? To photograph a wedding the day before like nine months pregnant and a lot of people did say on that um day why are you photographing a wedding when you're like highly pregnant and I was kind of just like, I'm fine I still got time and people tell you you know you have your due date don't get too attached to it it's just an estimate get prepared and I heard that advice but I didn't actually take it in so I was like very attached to this day I'm thinking I have time I have time had like my maternity um, photo shoot booked in like at 39 weeks thinking yep that will do um so yeah my daughter came two and a half weeks early I was um not expecting her to as I said it was very much mentally like what what what's happening um so photographing the wedding possibly caused early labor just like squatting to get the best shot running up and down and being on my feet all day and um that evening of the wedding when I did sit down, I was like, oh, my body does feel a bit uncomfortable now. Like maybe that was a bit pushing it. And the next morning I <laughs> I was still very naive, very unaware of what was actually going on. I was like, oh, maybe I have food poisoning. Maybe I ate something at the wedding that wasn't right. I had like stomach cramps and in the past I had issues with my guts. So I was like, oh, maybe this is just, you know, something I ate. To then eventually realize, oh, that's quite a like frequent contraction <laughs> to then oh, my water's broke at 10 o'clock. So, oh gosh, okay, this is actually happening. And bringing my midwife very much panicking, being like, what am I doing? Why is this happening now? Like, can I stop this? Like, wow. very much feeling loss of control of like, I'm not ready. I don't want this today. And <laughs> literally thinking, I want to help the bride and groom to help tidy up their wedding. <laughs> like, very much not in the mindset of I'm giving birth right now. Um, to, yeah, the phone call with the midwife was kind of, Oh, you still, you still, you know, might might just be Braxton Higgs and try and time them and call me again. And she was very calm, and I was like panicking frantically, trying to pack this hospital hospital bag because I haven't packed that either. Um, to then eventually realizing, okay, this is like happening rather fast. Um, and <laughs> being like, okay, let's get in the car. The hospital was an hour away. Very much aware that you know it's going to take a little while to get there. Um, and then yeah said to hubby let's go and he's like I'm just going to quickly have a shower I'm like no <laughs> I want to like get to get to this place where I feel safe at this stage um, but yeah we got into the car it was really really uncomfortable labor was very intense and there was a point driving where I was just like I don't want to sit down I don't want to be in this position this just doesn't feel right screaming my head off because it hurt and I was just like this is not the place to be while you're in labor um longest drive of my whole entire life I think um how long was the drive one hour well one hour usually probably 45 minutes um <laughs> with hubby driving rather fast but um I did have the feeling of pushing in the car so we did ring the midwife we're like we feel like pushing what do we do and the midwife was basically just saying, do what you can to hold it in. So mm -hmm. when you 
feel your baby's head pretty close and you like try and hold it in it's a very uncomfortable place to be in and it's just a matter of almost holding your breath and like trying not to move at all while you're in pain it was yeah it was horrific so by the time we got to the hospital I was kind of just in this frantic panicky what is happening oh my god not like my my brain didn't really catch up to what was going on and then sat into this wheelchair they kind of carted me off into the room and soon as I arrived in the hospital everything stopped and I was kind of just like, where am I now? What am I doing now? What am I meant to do? All these people looking at me, asking me questions. And I was kind of just like overwhelmed by all of a sudden having the support, <laughs> I guess. Um, so the midwife checked me. I was eight centimeters already. And they're like, okay, baby's not far away. Cool. Do you want to hop in the pool? So I said, yeah. Um, and then it was kind of this awkward, it's very blurry, but this awkward why is this not happening faster? Like everybody said, it's not far away. Why is this taking so long now? Um, and like this impatient, I just want to, this done now. <laughs> like I don't, I'm not enjoying this. I just want it to be over and done with. Um, so I was in the pool and unfortunately I didn't do enough research. I read somewhere that if the baby has a bath within the first week, that's bad because vernix is good for the baby. So I thought water birth is bad because, you know, the water baby is touching the water straight after being born so anyway I wish I did more research on it but originally I told my midwife I don't I want to labor in the um, birthing pool but not have the baby in the pool being in the pool the midwife was like well if you don't want the baby in the pool you need to hop out out I'm like no I don't want to leave this pool I'm like I, I'm not going anywhere um so crowning kind of got to towards the space where I literally I could feel the baby we could see the baby could feel the head coming out slowly and um then something happened and I'm still not entirely sure what it is but the midwife basically said the heartbeats drop you need to get at the pool right now and when you have basically like orange size stretch down there it's not something you want to be told to climb out of a pool and be on a bed so I don't know how I did it, but I did it, waddled out of this pool with some help. And then I found myself on my back where I didn't want to be at all. Um, but yeah, the midwife gave me instructions, trying to kind of listen to what she said, while also my body was like, this is not right, something's wrong, to then being told, push, even though you don't have a contraction. You know, normally people, midwives would be like, wait for the next contraction, the next wave will get this baby out. And the midwife said, no, push anyway. So I did. And I could literally feel my body ripping apart. Mm. And everybody was, oh, well done, well done. And I was just like, no. <laughs> like, the baby was screaming, but my body was screaming louder. It was very much like, this is, yeah, it didn't feel right. And, yeah, sure enough, needed stitches. And that was probably the worst part, the um, um, injection to do, like, a no local numbing. That was just, yeah, when you're very tender down there, a needle is the last thing you want down there. So oh, they stitched at that time and the piece as well you've just given birth you've literally yeah. just given birth you know and yeah yeah, yeah. I, I just remember this needle of like I thought dental you know those um dental appointments where you get a needle that's horrible it was like 100 times worse than that it was just yeah not very nice they stitched me up and then everybody was like oh they're well done well done and I was yeah I was kind of like my legs were shaking I was in complete shock it was just I, I, yeah, not, I don't like looking back at it because I'm just like, oh my God, what just happened to me? 
and it was very much the victim mentality of what happened to me not what did what did it like no no sense of pride no sense of acknowledgement of myself of like I just gave birth it was more like oh my god what was this um and then unfortunately the aftercare was kind of the situation of okay you can either um, share a room with someone or you can um, drive 40 minutes and be in this birthing unit by yourself and me being an empath I was like oh I don't want to annoy this other mum I'm going to go somewhere else so she has her space um so within an hour after birth giving birth we sat in the car with this human being that we're now responsible for and I was like oh my gosh like what what if something happens in these 40 minutes and I don't even know what I'm doing and what yeah I don't know it was very quickly being carted off to this different place and then stayed one night and then got sent off home and it was very much oh looks like you got breastfeeding sorted and all the best and goodbye and then being at home (laughs) um yeah my my postnatal situation was probably not ideal but my husband started working two days after baby was born new job very much like the provider the okay we have a family now now we need to make more money so he started working five days away so he left two days after we had a baby and Mm. we lived very isolated I was still very much in shock and just looked at this human and being like okay I'm a mum now still yeah the shock probably took a good two weeks for me to actually realize that what just happened and realizing that that was not ideal but also listening to other people having babies and being like oh mine was worse because you know I had a full-on surgery I had this I had that and kind of told myself oh it wasn't so bad it wasn't so bad and just really avoiding going there and just be like oh well it's what it is now move on um my mum flew over from Germany to support me um well knowing that my husband would start a new job and it's really unfortunate how that unfolded because she and my dad arrived and within a week she ended up in ICU the surgeon saved her life it was very serious and I ended up looking after her (laughs) as well as this baby so it was very oh my god (laughs) like my life is very stressful right now um and then once she left I kind of felt a sense of relief of like okay at least I have one less person to worry about now she's back home recovering in good hands um one less person in my house to you know consider um but yeah I had stopped eating I had stopped looking taking care of myself I was very depleted I didn't sleep I didn't eat I just stayed home in this like bubble of trying to change the nappy feed the baby look at the baby and just in this really yeah very strange state to not even realize that I had extreme pain to the point I had severe mastitis, um, not realizing what to do or what I should do, not really comfortable to leave the house, very much hiding away and just trying to survive each day. Um, And then I messaged my midwife and said to her, look, I'm in a lot of pain. I wish I could die right now. And these words triggered her not to support me, but to call the police on me and say, "I, I think this person is suicidal. You really need to, you know, have someone look at this person. So me sitting in my bed crying in pain and then having a police turn up as a very much goody goody two sure never having issues with police I was like don't take my baby I'm a good mom oh my god like scariest day of my life thinking this person will take my baby away from me and that I'm like failed as a mother um was really scary luckily this woman it was a police officer it was a woman with four kids she very much could see okay this you need help you need to go to a hospital you need operation because this is like mastitis you need like yeah she basically just said you need help (laughs) this is 
you know, you're in quite a severe state. So ended up in hospital and they cut open my boob quite close to the nipple and basically drained out all the parts, drained out whatever wasn't meant to be there. And again, I was very much, I was in this hospital, same hospital, kind of bringing back all these memories of this place is not nice. (laughs) And again, feeling like I didn't have control over what was happening. They kind of told me what would happen, but I wasn't in a state of actually taking it in or understanding. So it was more like, when can I see my baby again? Because they've taken her away from me and just like this, yeah, floaty, oh my God, what's, what's happening to me again? And then being carted off after that and be like, oh, this will take a while to heal. And then I looked at the um, what happened and they cut it open but left it open to drain. And I was like, you can't cut someone open and leave them open. But yeah, it was took a good three, four months to heal. I had district nurses come out to me and because of that event um, or my message or my words that I chose, I had um, mental health support. So I had people come out to visit me and check on me and it took a long time like the first six months of motherhood were just horrific really I really yeah cried a lot basically just survived (laughs) and it was the getting back to the basics drinking enough water getting out the house going for a walk very much slow process to what what can I do to help myself can I ask what um that mental health support looked like so you said you had people coming to you to yeah. uh, check on your mental well-being was who were they like what what sort of qualification did they have or what sort of I think I think it was a psychologist okay I was, I, yeah I was just really grateful that they came to me because I was still in the I don't want to leave my house like my boob is leaking yeah. Like, yeah. But yeah it was it was a mix of blood pus and milk coming out of this wound it was yeah very ugly yeah yeah huge right um and did you find that support um really really valuable I think that was the first time where I realized that my situation wasn't as easy as I tried to tell myself like I kind of was like oh this is just motherhood this is just you just got to go through it and you know other people struggle more than me and very much denying myself what was happening to me so being validated in this lady was talking to me looking at me like wow you've been through a heck of a lot in the last three four months so it was kind of like oh have I (laughs) kind of realizing like oh it's okay to feel very drained very depressed and this is like soon as I got diagnosed with severe postnatal depression I realized okay I need to do something about this and luckily for me I managed you know do the natural ways of like okay get out the house and go for a walk eat three meals a day like it was very very basic but it got me back on my feet yeah um well yeah very very basic but they're the basic needs of survival actually Imka Mm. let alone you know um beginning that healing journey which uh, is uh, gosh I like I had no idea how huge your story is and and it's quite hard although very familiar to me to hear you reflect on uh how undermining you were in your own mind of your experience because of these comparisons that are made because of the lack of sharing there is around the the real experience for many new mums so whatever your vision had been of what birth would be like based on 
your upbringing based on what you had heard from other people about their experiences, based on what you'd learned in antenatal classes, based on what your discussions with your midwife were like, whatever. Um, was It was completely different to that. And yet your experience isn't that uncommon. But we don't hear these stories, right? Like, especially in this age of the social media and, you know, people are sharing um, a lot of their journeys on social media, but they're sharing all the, the highlight reels. They're sharing all the good bits. And so we feel incredibly isolated in our experience and really invalidated in our experience. And we feel like, who am I to speak out about this? Because I haven't lost my baby. I mean, my baby's doing fine. Who am I to complain? You know, it could have been worse. Uh, and yeah, wow, that was huge. What a way to start motherhood. It was an initiation. And I do think, like you said, it was a very internal process for me. Like I looked at other people and just thought, oh, well, they have words. I shouldn't complain. Like I was very much in my head and didn't feel the right to complain about what happened or like even acknowledge myself for that was hard yeah. <laughs> like everyone was like yeah motherhood is hard that's just how it is or like yeah kind of undermining what actually went on yeah yeah that's huge so it wasn't really until um until the shock of having the police turn up um and and that initiating this um uh yeah, process of you receiving some mental health support and that psychologist saying, actually, this is big and you do need some support and this is what can help get you on that path. Um, that was, that was sounds like the first kind of proper appreciation that you had for what I went through was not okay. And yes. Um, and I actually do deserve some healing around this. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit late, a little bit too late, I think, because, yeah, even like after having operation mastitis, I didn't have a lactation consultant because nobody was available. Like there was definitely a big lack of support. I was, yeah. I did, I did, do have a lot of grief and anger around my midwife. And sometimes I, I do the, why did I choose her? That's on me, you know, like taking the responsibility for choosing the wrong person rather than being angry at her. I'm angry at myself again. Yeah. Yeah. And look, you know, I mean, this is a really common thing we do as well, right? Is we we blame ourselves, we shame ourselves, and we hold on to guilt um, around the choices that we made or the things that we did or didn't do or did or didn't say or etc. But in reality, and and you know, I'm going to hazard the guess that this was the same for your midwife as well, is that we're all just doing the best that we can based on the kind of information and support and resources that we have available to us at the time. Um, and so I don't know that it's ever particularly helpful to to point the finger, to try and find, the you know, something to blame. But having an understanding of the the things that contributed to your experience being traumatic certainly serves you in terms of helping you to understand that this wasn't your fault and that you can 
you can there is a path to healing and that you can go on to have a different experience if you choose to have another baby um and i and i'd love to you know i want to dive into your ongoing journey of healing and i know that you did go on to have another baby and we'll talk about that shortly but there was uh, just a couple of pieces of your story that i feel like might be helpful for the listeners um to have us uh, talk a little bit about before we um, crack into that. And, and one of them is around the antenatal um, uh, uh, classes or support that you um, received, the information gathering that you did when you were pregnant, um, because I could hear through things that you said in your story that you'd had a pretty um, lacking um, <laughs> kind of experience around uh, information um, gathering, around understandings of physiology, of the impacts of various interventions, of how birthplace impacts your experience, of how mindset impacts your experience, of the range of normal, of all sorts of things that um, are so important in order for us to be set up to have the sort of birth experience that our body is naturally designed for us to have, that nature needs us to have in order to set us up to be the mothers that our babies need us to be and for us to feel that that transition, although it's, you know, invariably a difficult one and a big one, that it's actually, when we reflect on it, it's a positive one. It's it's one where we've learnt some incredible things about our um our power, our strength, our ability, our um, that we can trust our bodies, that we can trust our instincts, et cetera, et cetera. And of course, when we don't have that information, we don't have that support and that guidance, and we go on to have a traumatic experience, we begin motherhood at the opposite end of that sort of spectrum um, of, of self-belief, self-worth, all that sort of thing. Um, so one of the one of the things that stood out was, uh, you know, you said that the midwife had um, become a very concerned all of a sudden when your baby was crowning that the heart rate had dropped and wanted you to get out of the pool on your back and to push even though you didn't have a contraction, which I can hear you are aware that that's what led to your tear. Um, so that tear was not necessary. But then you also said you know, and baby came out screaming, but I was, or like, you know, the baby was screaming, but I, I felt like I was screaming louder with the, um, with the injections, or, you know, um, when you were being sutured up. Um, if your baby was screaming immediately after birth, and I haven't heard you say anything about, and they needed to resuscitate the baby, or the baby was really flat, or had to be taken to intensive care, that's a well baby. That's a baby that was not in distress. So we, you know, one of the things that I make sure I educate people about when I'm working with them in their pregnancy is that they understand that dips in the fetal heart, especially during that pushing phase, when that baby's head is getting a good squeeze on right at the end there, is physiological. That's normal. And actually, um, it would be unusual for it not to happen. So, um, so you know, like, well, what could have happened if maybe the midwife hadn't panicked about that and she was aware that that was a normal physiology and you had gone on to push your baby out in the pool and how different 
might that start to motherhood have been just with that one thing alone? I did sometimes wonder where that would have been just better to push in the car. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. just yeah. have the baby in the car without yeah. anyone there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, right? Yes. And you talked about coming into the hospital and everything slowed down. And it's like, yeah, yeah, you didn't learn about that either. You didn't learn about un understanding the links between fear and um you know and um and new environments and strangers being you know like that contributing to the slowing down of your of your labor um there's all sorts in there uh and and then i the other big standout to me was when you said um well you were prioritizing other <laughs> other women in the ward over yourself despite the horrific experience you've just been through um but then you went home and your man took off to work um two days later and was yep. gone for five days and it's like okay so what did you learn antenatally about what new motherhood what new parenthood was going to look like what you could expect around um baby's sleep baby's behaviors baby's uh like about about breastfeeding, um, about your um, need for recovery, emotional, mental, physical recovery, around your needs for nutrition and um, being cared for and community. And like, it sounds like you were absolutely clueless. And this is another part of antenatal, standard antenatal um, education that is uh, severely lacking is is talking about after the birth mm. um and I think we're getting getting better but um there's not enough and also just generally as a society there's not enough support anyway so even if you do have all that knowledge it's it's really really hard to access the sort of support that we you know need and deserve <laughs> I do think there was um, a few things shared at the antenatal class that I probably wasn't able to take in. I don't know whether that was my age or just in general, like not the understanding awareness of what that meant. Like, I think we do, did talk about the fourth trimester and that, you know, take it easy, that kind of thing. But when you're pregnant, you kind of just like, oh, yeah, I'll see when I get there. Like, it was a very, I wasn't taking it all in as I maybe should have. Should have. No, no, and that's really normal. Like I think we do, we get really focused and honed in on the birth, yeah. um, and and uh, but I think that's part of um, a, a good sort of you know educator is to um, acknowledge that very thing. I know that your focus is going to be on the birth at the moment, but actually it's really, really important that we have some conversations and some thought and energy goes into preparing for the postpartum. And these are some ways you can do that. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So let's let's talk about your healing journey then. Obviously, that you know, we've heard about how that began, but talk to me about what... Um, about yeah what the rest of that journey looked like um about the time between um new motherhood with your first baby um this is preparing for the birth of your next baby and what that birth looked like and yeah yeah now let's get to the good part of the story i kind yeah. of do feel a little bit like that's so, such a like 
probably couldn't be more polar opposites. Um, so yeah, I think six months was when I felt a lot better mentally. My mum came out again and kind of supported me and fed me and all the things. So I was definitely picking up some weight. I, I was sleeping better. I was kind of getting the hang of how this baby works. And then she started walking at nine months. So I was like, oh my God, like busy little person. Um, but yeah, the mobility of my child meant that I didn't want to be at home. So I started going to play center. I started going to mainly music. So I started to grow like this community feeling. And like, you know, they say it, it takes a village to raise a child, but really having connection, having other mums to talk to, it just made all the difference for me to not feel so lonely and isolated. So I did end up leaving the house almost every day. And even though that was busy and getting out the house with a baby isn't easy, it was definitely improved my mental health massively and kind of getting the hang of, okay, when daddy is home, trying to make him, you know, be part of this parenting experience too, and kind of learning how to tell him what I needed and all of those things. Um, so despite all the horrible breastfeeding experiences I managed to breastfeed my baby till she was one and a half and it was very much I think I got my period back when she was one oh, I can't quite remember but basically what happened is I had my period once and got pregnant <laughs> and so very you know when I said earlier I was like I took a few months but this time it was very much like okay I had my period we could potentially get pregnant but it may take some time but no it was very much one period and pregnant again um, and there was a little bit of fear and of like, okay, this can only get better than the last one. I know a lot more this time and being pregnant with another child was definitely a whole different experience. You were a lot more aware, you're a lot more, yeah, I guess connected to your body in a way. So as soon as I got pregnant, my daughter stopped breastfeeding. And for me, the breastfeeding journey was a huge, I, I was proud that I overcome that struggle, especially after like severe mastitis. So Breastfeeding her to one and a half month, one and a half years was for me like I I'm not failing as a mum. I got this. I'm like I'm doing something right. Um, and yeah, having all this community and being pregnant around a village definitely felt a lot more supportive already. And then having the support and also talking about midwives and who 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 else is available to be a midwife. So I had the best midwife. I still like without her, I wouldn't have this beautiful healing experience. I think she lived in the same village as me down the coast she is very maori traditional very um like experienced in home birth um she invited me to like a wananga where we made a beautiful bassinet out of flax like i got to make like a little tie for the um umbilical cord i made like a little clay pot for the placenta and like there was a lot of things like the first time around I didn't even know that you could keep keep the placenta when they asked me after birth I was just like no well what do I want to do with that like why would you keep it so yeah a lot of things that now I knew that you could do and I was just a lot more aware um so yeah the plan for me was home birth just knowing hospital is a place that brings back trauma brings back fear just a lot of bad memories and that was quite a hard decision for me because my mum was a nurse and she very much believes, you know, you're an hour away from the hospital still. This is like not safe. And remember what happened last time. And, you know, what if you do have to go to hospital? That's a long way. And I think my husband was a little bit like, oh, it's your body, your choice, but I'm not comfortable with it. And everyone around me kind of said, oh, you know, there's a lot of risk involved. And are you sure you want to, you know, have that responsibility of being so far away if something goes wrong? And it's very much like, 
standing in my truth, coming back to, no, I know what I want. I believe in myself and having the midwife back me up and be like, you can birth your baby at home. You can, you got this. And I think at the start, she really planted the seed of, you got this, you can do this. And her trust in me made me trust myself eventually. So long story short, um, he was not early. He very much waited almost to his due date. And my husband was still working five days away. So he left on a Monday morning and he was a little bit like, you know, this is the week of the due date. I don't really want to go away. I'm like, I'm going to be eight hour drive away. Like message me as soon as anything happens. Um, and I was a little bit like, well, you know, there's no point you waiting at home. We could be two weeks over. Who knows what's going to happen? Very hard to plan. Um, but yeah, he left. And then so he left Monday morning and then. Monday night at midnight, I was like, oh, oh, I think, I think this is a contraction. <laughs> Got really excited and messaged him straight away. I was like, I think this is it. You can come back. And also very aware he just drove eight hours. Now driving eight hours back. I was like, mm, better sooner than later. Um, and my daughter was asleep. My Labrador was with me at home. And I was very much like, I had my birth pool set up. I had like my everything organized I didn't need to pick a hospital bag this time I was feeling a lot more relaxed about the whole situation I did message my midwife and she didn't reply so there was a little bit of uh oh <laughs> am I going to do this on my own <laughs> like what, what do I do if I don't get a hold of her it's like middle of the night everyone is still asleep and I kind of was very much finding comfort in my um, Labrador he she already had um, puppies herself so I felt like this connection of okay you did it all by yourself you can do this you can support me through this so yeah, the contractions were a lot easier at home. Like I kind of had like my bliss ball to sit on. I like started filling the birth pool, had candles lit up. It was like very, almost romantic. Um, and eventually got a hold of the midwife. And um, she was a little bit like frantic about the hot water because our hot water cylinder did run out of water. So she ended up like bringing kettle after kettle into the water to help. Um she did eventually check me and I did ask, will my husband make it back in time? And she looked at me and she said, no. Right. So there was a moment of, okay, my daughter is asleep. My husband's on the road. <laughs> my midwife is here. That's something. <laughs> but also in this moment, I had the choice of either feeling let down or feeling empowered. And I was kind of like, no, I got this. I can do this. I got my midwife here. She believes in me. She did suggest, um, because I did, I'm a photographer so I had my camera kind of near me so she took some photos and then um she suggested do you want to film it so he can see it if you know if he chooses to so we set up the camera and actually filmed the birth which was beautiful to look back on and I kind of finally got to celebrate my body for what it's capable of doing um but yeah it was very much so 12 o'clock was when it started he was born at 4 44 um it happened see me quickly I suppose but I was very comfortable in the pool I was able to move around how I wanted to the midwife didn't really check too much she kind of just let me do her thing and made sure that the water temperature was um, warm enough and then um, there was a moment where I freaked out I look back at the video and I'm just like that was the longest two minutes of my life <laughs> so his head popped out but then nothing happened and you know how you like sometimes see videos of like Oh yeah, the heat is out and the rest just flops out. No, his heat was out and nothing happened and no contraction. It was literally like, is he all right? Like he's underwater, <laughs> underwater. Can he like, you know? But the bit was like, no, it's okay. Just wait for the next uh, contraction. And she was so calm that I was like, okay, she's not freaking out. That means I don't have to freak out. Um, but still looking back at the video, I'm like, <laughs> I still feel tense looking at this 
head out there and I'm like, come on, come on. So eventually with the next contraction, he popped out, he fed beautifully. He, yeah, it was very, I love looking back at the photos. I'm just like, oh my God, that's just such a contrast to the first experience. Um, but yeah, eventually the water got too cold. So I hopped out um, and then was on the bed. And my daughter woke up very much like I got, I got a little photo of her being like, woke, little two-year-old being like, I have a brother now <laughs> like her little mesmerized tired face and we did leave the placenta attached till dad got home so he still got to cut the cord wow. uh, we planted a tree over his placenta in this beautiful clay pot so it was feeling very nourishing very like I said it was a kind of almost like a romantic healing experience to be like I got this I can do this and for me it really showed me the right midwife is such key like her trust in me not freaking out her calmness her energy her Wairua, her aura, it just, there was something about her that made me trust myself so much more. And yeah, breastfeeding was excellent. I fed him till he was two and a half. I left the house three days after he was born. Like we signed, we signed him up at the library and they're like, this is the youngest library member we've ever had. He's three days old. <laughs> like very much, you know, kept my toddler busy, went to all the things that we usually go to. So that also meant that I left the house, that I had connections, that I, you know, being outside I was able to buy me food without having to cook it was yeah a lot 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 better yeah do you recall how you felt I know you can look back at the video and it probably re-triggers the memories but do you recall how you felt when you first pushed your baby out into into the pool and I, I don't know if the midwife passed him to you or you picked him up or or what out of the water but and brought him to your chest do you remember how you felt in that moment proud proud yeah mm. yeah and a bit relieved I think but that was more like I did this and then like oh it's over but yeah. also just yeah very much I think for me personally the video really helped to look back on and be like relive the moment and it being a beautiful moment rather than you know I guess if the first birth was recorded I would be like I'm no way I'm watching that yeah but yeah and I do think some parents find it really hard to reconcile that um, that difference and to not hold on to um, guilt around that their first child missed out. It wasn't just you experiencing the, the grief and trauma of that start to life um, or motherhood, but um, that, that your baby you know missed out on that beautiful start that that your um second born had and i and i think that that sometimes is yeah but i kind of like to think of it like um it's one of the gifts of trauma is that it can help us to see what we need in order to recognize our power and um, and in order to have that experience that because perhaps if you'd had just a quite a straightforward hospital birth and it wasn't really traumatizing but it also wasn't it certainly wasn't the kind of proud empowered moment of pushing your baby out by yourself at home you know like in your house in the pool like without even your husband there you know it was you and your midwife and wow, you know, what a moment. You may never have gotten to experience that um, 
yeah, that degree of pride, that degree of recognition of your strength, of, of your power as a as a woman, as a mother, as a as a person, um, had you not had that first experience. And and I also believe that our healing as mothers becomes our child's healing as well. Um, you know, you you finding what you needed in order to experience healing from that traumatic birth um, and especially if you involve your children in that journey as in you're not trying to kind of hide everything from them you talk about the experiences you share about this as they grow up and that as well um, then then that becomes their healing as well um, so you know it's yeah it's a win-win ultimately um, when we yeah, when we're supported to find healing, and it sounds like yeah, that your midwife was an incredibly integral part of that, uh, which is amazing and so beautiful. Can I ask um, what you learned about yourself? Um, to, to trust myself. That was like my biggest takeaway of like, I got this, my body can do this. Mm -hmm. I kind of wish I trusted myself the first time. I probably would have pushed this baby out in the car or stayed at home in the first place if I really trusted myself enough to just do it. Yeah, to trust yourself. And that's, I mean, so much easier said than done when all of the messaging out there says we need to put our trust in the professionals. We, you know, I mean, just think about how you were responded to by your loved ones and your friends and, and they're all well-meaning, but how you were responded to when you said, I, I want to have a home birth this time. Mm. You know, fear, 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 fear. A few people did say, wow, you're brave, but there was this underlying tone of that's a risk to take. Why would oh, you do that? <laughs> you're, you're brave isn't really a compliment. It's like, um, you know, what a, what a fool you're being. Why would you do that? Um, mm. You know, it's kind of the under underlying yeah. tone. It's not like, oh, good on you. That sounds like it will be a really empowering experience for you. You're brave implies, mm, yeah, I wouldn't do that. Yes, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? Why are you doing that? Um, yeah, yeah, to trust yourself. So, so powerful and so helpful on our, um, during our mothering experience to be able to trust ourselves because you know, we have to make so many decisions on behalf of these little dependent beings. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, if we don't have a, 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 a sense of trust in our capabilities as being the, the right person to make those choices for them, of trusting our instincts or our intuition, of, you know, listening to that part of us that says, oh, despite everyone telling me that I, shouldn't be sleeping with my baby or I, I should stop breastfeeding now because da, 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 whatever I just know I know yeah. and I trust that knowing um that yeah I know what's best for me and my baby yeah yeah oh wicked Imka <laughs> yeah that was gorgeous hearing your your healing story you know um yeah, I want to hear a little bit about your. Uh, so you've you've said a couple of times that you're a photographer, and and there are definitely links between 
um, your photographic work and um, empowerment as as mothers, as women. Um, so talk to us about that. So, yes, I have a very unique way of looking at people and just in general, my worldview is very a sense of I believe everybody's beautiful I believe everybody's powerful and my mission as a photographer is to show you my perspective so I do woman empowerment celebrating the female form in all sorts of ways I love pregnant women I have photographed birth before and I feel it is a really beautiful way to celebrate the miracle of life growing a baby it's a celebration of you can do this. I have photographed some beautiful home birth and those moments just to reflect on the woman. You just did this. Like, how amazing. Um, and I do believe there is a lot of power in photography to change that perspective of because a lot of women that I have worked with, they said, oh, I feel like a big whale, but looking at your photos, I'm actually looking beautiful. So the sense of I'm feeling like this, but in the photos I look like this to then internalize the look of those photos and be like oh actually I am beautiful and then yeah slowly changing the mindset around that so yeah I love I love my work I'm very passionate about it I love pregnant women I love birth and I do hope that once my children are a bit older I can dive into birth photography more because there's a lot of power in that acknowledgement mm, mm, I've been loving um looking at following your images on on your social media and that um and I know that a recent um what a more recent kind of passion for yours has been underwater photography and yes. these gorgeous images, um, especially of the hapu, the pregnant mama, and the and the uh, in the water are just like, oh, I want I want to go back and be pregnant again and have you photograph my pregnancy. <laughs> and, and in the water, there's something for me. I mean, I'm a Scorpio, a water a water person. Um, water's my element, and um, and so it feels so uh how's a bit of a different story having those pregnancy photos underwater um yes it's it's very okay. magical and i think as well that like, you can be so much more comfortable in the water and like there's there's yeah there's definitely a whole new element to it and you can play with like the reflections of the sun and you can play with bubbles and like you literally bring four elements into one image and yeah i i love my work i'm very very passionate about it yeah yeah there's something so sort of peaceful about being underwater and and the fluidity of it, you know, that it's mm. uh, the gracefulness or something. I don't know. There's something that's so captivating for me looking at those images. But, yeah. Yeah, how gorgeous. So you kind of, you, through, through, the, through your lens, through, through your creative process, I guess, as a photographer, you're able, it sounds like, at least some of the time to help people to see um, the beauty that you see that they couldn't themselves see until you reflected it back to them in these in these images. Yes, that's exactly what I do. And I also, um, I guess I'm not just a photographer. I do a lot of things. So I um, am doing cacao ceremonies. I do breath work. I do sound healing. I'm um, level two Reiki trained. I run retreats. I have a podcast and I'm also writing a book. So there's a lot of things I bring into my work and sharing stories, releasing shame are hu two huge things for me and bringing acceptance into our bodies, our experiences is something I'm very passionate about as well. Gosh, you, you it sounds like you just read my resume. <laughs> 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 like breath work, cacao ceremonies, you know, Reiki level two, like I like writing a book. It's just 
you and me, kindred spirits, Inca. Yes. <laughs> wow, yeah. Oh, cool. Right. So there's lots more to the picture. It's not just um, it's it's not just your photography. You were doing some really really potent work out there around women's empowerment and healing and yeah wholeness. Stepping yes. into wholeness, right? Coming coming back to our truth. Coming back to our truth. Yeah, beautiful. Um, and you're writing a book. <laughs> yes, you said it a few times, the feeling of guilt, um, I think it comes up in birth, it comes up in decision making, it comes up in pregnancy, birth, um, how we experience birth, like when I said earlier, I'm like, still feeling guilty that I threw my daughter's placenta out just because I didn't know better. And like, there's a lot of things through the journey of motherhood that I have experienced guilt. So my book is about navigating guilt so the name of the book will be mum guilt transmuted into love so it's very much the kind of pulling apart all the different layers like there's not just my experiences but like there's solo parenting there is step parenting there is infertility issues there is there's so many different chapters I want to dive into of like making people feel seen and be like there's so much more to motherhood than people are maybe aware of so bringing awareness is a key point in this um, book writing for me it's very healing for me to share my own stories I do believe um, sharing stories is when we really shame and really connect and resonate with each other and then the second part of the book is kind of like this okay this is how I navigated it this is the tools that have helped me kind of like a not a guide but a just sharing my experience of this is something that has helped me mindset work meditation a few holistic health approach nature like very basic but also kind of going into if you are someone who's feeling a lot of guilt how can you navigate that in a beautiful way to come back to love mm, I love this so much are you so obviously you're incorporating your own story in there but given that you haven't experienced things like infertility and I don't know there are other things that you you talked about there that weren't part of your personal journey um are you going to incorporate other people's stories yes i'm currently in the research process of interviewing people recording um zoom meetings or getting them to write their own story down and kind of yeah share it. because i feel like yes my my story is powerful but so are other people's and i want this book to be in as inclusive as i possibly can make it so every mother and i don't think this book is just for mothers i do think this book is for everyone who has a mother which is everyone <laughs> so yeah very much a book to bring awareness to bring acceptance compassion compassion is a huge antidote to feeling guilt i think having compassion with yourself for making the choices that you did or having the experience that you are having yeah absolutely um yeah in order to work through guilt we have to see that that you know whatever we are holding on to as something we have wronged or shamed ourselves for we the intention was never bad the intention is always positive right so the choices that we make um i mean i talk about this all the time with people that i work with who've experienced traumatic birth we make the best choices we can based on the support and information we have available to us at the time we will always choose what we believe is going to bring us the safest outcome and when we have different information and different support we can often reflect back on that when we have these new understandings reflect back on that and go Shit, why did i choose that why you know 
why didn't, you know, I had a feeling that that midwife was not great for me. Why didn't I just listen to that? Well, you didn't, you didn't know, you didn't have those understandings back then. You were a different person back then. But you can rest assured that you were making the best choices, that you had good intentions with whatever it is that you are now in this newer version of yourself looking back on and going, I should have, I wasn't something mm. I feel guilt about. Um, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. So when, you know better, you know better, you do better. Yeah, when you know better, you do better, right? Like, and but having that compassion, and um, I think part of our healing journey, like I love that you said as well about um, that your book isn't just for people who are mothers themselves, it's for anybody who has a mother, right? And we all have mothers. Um, because I think part of our healing journey, or yeah, it kind of goes hand in hand that we, when we see our own, when we have whole compassion for ourselves um, and our experience and in, in our journey into motherhood, for instance, um, things that we perhaps would do differently now that we, you know, with different information, different support, different resources. Um, we can do the same for our own mothers as well. So um, like do some of that inner child healing through that applying that same compassion to our mothers because they were just doing the best with what they had at the time too. And, you know, like, gosh, the world could do with a, a, a crap ton more compassion in it. Wouldn't it be mm. a, a loving, healed place if we could all just see that we are just doing our best? Yes, yeah. Compassion is definitely something we need more of. Yeah, yeah, for sure. How can people oh yeah, the other question I want to ask was about your podcast. Um what's your podcast called and what's the kind of the theme of your podcast? Um it's Sacred Soul Stories with Imka. So basically anybody who wants to share their story in a way, whatever comes up for them. It's very, I don't edit anything. It's very authentic. It's very much who I am and whatever comes up in that conversation. So I invite people to share with me what their story is, whether that is a spiritual journey, whether that is yeah, whatever that may look like. I kind of started it with um, some tools that I have helped me, like breathwork and sound healing, where I literally like it's a five minute episode of breathing exercises to just fall back on and be like, okay, I need a little bit of pick me up today. So I'm going to tune into this episode. And I guess for me, the intention was, I wish I had someone in my life when I was like in that really bad place in my life where I could just press a button and have someone help me. So right. because I couldn't find something like that, I put it out there myself. Beautiful. Okay, great. So we'll put in the show notes, I'll put in a link to your podcast. Um, and to your your website, your social media pages, so that if people want to um, explore working with you as a photographer or if they want to perhaps share their story on your podcast or listen to your podcast or if they think they might have a relevant story to share with you that could be um, good for your book or whatever, that there is, yeah, look in the show notes. There are going to be links for Inca and her work and um but is there anything else you would like to share with regards to people um, perhaps working with you or getting in touch with you before I go on to my last question of the uh, interview? I'm an open book. Ask me anything. I don't bite. I'm very open, very empathetic and very much, yeah, a safe space to come to. 
Yeah. And you're based, uh, so, you know, I'm in Tauranga in New Zealand, um, and I know that you um, do photography with women over here. Um, yeah. I'm very much Bay of Plenty, so very, of Plenty. But, but, but I do travel around the North Island if I get invited to as well. So I just charge a travel cost. So almost like, yeah, whole of New Zealand, if you want me to work with me, message me, just be prepared to pay for travel if you want me to travel a little bit further. Okay, amazing. Awesome. So my last question, and I feel like perhaps you've already answered this, so um, feel free to feel free to repeat. Don't <laughs> feel the need to come up with something new. But is if you could go back to the pre-motherhood version of yourself and offer her one piece of wisdom, what would it be? To trust myself, like I said before, but also to look after myself more, to know more about self-care and have the awareness of I can't take care of my baby if I don't take care of myself first. Mm, mm, beautiful um and and to prioritize that right like we mm. so we really do grow up in a culture where we are um taught to be people pleasers and to um I think as mothers there's that martyrdom culture of um you know in order to be a good mother we are to be selfless um, and it's quite the opposite. How can we be a good mother? How can we meet our baby's needs if our needs are not being met first? Um, yeah. It's a lot easier said than done. It's like the you can't pour from an empty cup makes sense and is logical. But I think when it comes to being the nurturer, we can nurture so much better if we come from an overflowing cup. So all the mothers out there, take the time out for yourself. Do that bubble bath. Do whatever you need to do. If it's three meals a day and drinking two litres of water, start with the basics. But, yeah, look after yourselves. Yeah, and and don't feel ashamed to ask for help um, as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's a huge one. Yeah. Yes. I'm still navigating that one. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> you know what? Like, I'm going to say it now because I thought it was really, really cute, but I couldn't interrupt you at the time because you were, like, in the throes of your story. You were talking about um, your first labour and you said um, – or maybe it was your second, I'm not sure which, but you were talking about your labour when you were at home and you were on the bliss ball, but uh, the, you called it the bliss ball. <laughs> it's a yes. swiss ball. Oh, you, you know what I meant. <laughs> I totally did. I just thought that was so cute. She called the swiss ball the bliss ball and then I just didn't. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it felt like bliss being on it because, yeah, it was just this, yeah, riding the waves on this ball just felt very, very nourishing. Yeah, gorgeous. Yeah, there's going to be a new brand of Swiss ball out there now called Bliss. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and the Bliss Birth Ball. Adventure. <laughs> yes, beautiful. Oh, thank you so much. This has been, um, yeah, amazing to hear your story. And I'm really excited to um, follow your progress with your work and, uh, yeah, and to hang out more. You and I don't live that far from each other. I'm sure, you know, it'd be really cool to connect in person more of it. Yeah, that sounds like we have a lot in common. And like like I said, I, I do travel a lot to Tauranga anyway for photography work and being at the beach. So, yeah, I'm very looking forward to get to know you better as well. Yeah, beautiful. Thanks, Amka. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Healing Birth Podcast. If you like what you heard, please spread the love by sharing this podcast with others. Or if you'd like to connect with me, you can get hold of me via Instagram at healing.birth and through my website healingbirth.co.nz I'd love to hear from you. 
whether that's so you can share feedback or suggestions, or because you're potentially interested in working or training together. Let's do it. Aroha nui, you beautiful people.